0: So the first reading is John 4, verses 1 to 26. Thanks, Andy. Um, Jesus talks with a Samaritan woman. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sechar. And the man you now have is not your husband. Sorry, that's lost my page. What you have said what you have just said is quite true. Technical hitch.
1: <clears throat>
0: Sir the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Amen.
2: Thank you, Mike. And thank you very much for persevering. Uh, I'd like to invite John now to bring us our second reading.
1: Our second reading is from Luke chapter 9, 18 to 27. Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah. Once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowds say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? And Peter answered, God's Messiah. Jesus predicts his death. Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. And he said, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Or whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain life for me, sorry, what good is it for anyone to gain life for the whole world, and yet lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his glory, and into the glory of the Father, and of the holy angels." Truly, I tell you, some of you standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank you.
2: So, who is Jesus to you? As I said before, it's the, it's the end of the Essential Jesus series. Um, I, think, I think I get wheeled out at the end of every series we do. It's kind of like, always oh, handy preaching. We must be finished something, <laughs> um, which is is probably good. Um, I have to say, I I don't get to the house groups very easily, well, at all, in fact, um, and I know Rachel doesn't either. But I've, I really enjoy the fact that I can read at home what the house groups are reading, and then when I come to church on the Sunday morning, the sermons fit. Um, but obviously now we're at the end of essential jesus we've done essential jesus we did essential hundred we did we did another essential question i'd almost forgotten about essential question i have to say <laughs> i found the book the other day when i was looking for essential jesus what's this one? Oh, essential question um and i guess you know we we've reached the end of this study and it's it's time to move on to something else Like I say, I enjoy the fact that I can read the same thing as as everybody else is reading. But as we move forward, it would be good if you have any sort of ideas or suggestions for what we do next, or if you feel particularly strongly one way or the other about we all do the same thing or we don't all do the same thing, come and speak to me or speak to one of the other elders, because we'll we'll have a bit of a gap now because we haven't got anything lined up straight away. Um, but we'll be meeting and praying about where we go next and it would be good to know what you think. So it would be really good to get your your, your feedback. Um, so yeah, any ideas or suggestions, tell an elder. That's basically the theme for the for the next while. Anything you think people should know, tell an elder. Anything you want to ask a question about, ask an elder. Um, Find an elder and pin them to the wall and maybe not pin them to the wall. Obviously speak to other people too, but if it's, anyway, carry on, Andrew. Who is Jesus to you? I couldn't quite decide if this was possibly the easiest subject I'd ever had or the hardest. Because on the one hand, it's like, well, who's Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you. I can't tell you who Jesus is to you. I can tell you who Jesus is to me. Does that make it dead easy or does it make it quite difficult? Uh, We'll we'll find out. It's probably dead easy and I will make it look really difficult. Um, The Essential Jesus series actually started, if you remember that far back, I can't even remember when we started it, but it it was a while ago, uh, with who is Jesus. So we've started with five readings about who is Jesus. We've had My math's right. Another 90 readings telling us who Jesus is. And then the last five, who is Jesus to you? So with that in mind, I'm guessing it's the to you bit that's the important bit this morning. Rather than who is Jesus. Our first reading. just realized I was supposed to say all that before the tumbleweed moment. It just shows you... Make notes and then forget to read them. <laughs> a lot of people Oh that's not that's 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 a bit I should have moved. Right, carrying on. <laughs> First reading was the woman at the well. It's a reading we've all had a lot of times before. And I'm probably not gonna give you any staggering new insight, let's be honest. But there were a few wee bits that I wanted to just kinda pick out. It's important to remember it's Jesus who initiates the conversation. Jesus was sitting by the well and the woman came over and he said to her, "Can I have a drink please?" Jesus quite often used to kind of go off into the hills to pray and to be on his own and and and, and in some ways you know if you were reading this and you knew that you might you might you might think, well, you know, the the Pharisees are keeping tabs on him so he's decided to to beat it and, and go somewhere else and and he wants to be on his own. And maybe he did, maybe he was sitting by the well, thinking, praying, and then this woman comes along. But not just a woman, a Samaritan woman. It would have been unusual for Jesus to sort of start speaking to this woman on her own it would have been highly unusual for Jesus to have started speaking to a Samaritan bloke. The fact that it was a Samaritan woman makes it even more unlikely. And what does he promise her? He promises her living water, the Holy Spirit. The fact that Jesus spoke to the Samaritan woman Is important because it, and the fact that it was Jesus that initiated it, it it means Jesus is wanting to speak to us. He isn't sitting going, well, you know, I'm here for, I'm here for everybody, but well, maybe not that person because they're a bit, bit effy. Up until that point, I think a lot of people would have thought that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah and only the Jewish Messiah. He was there to save the Jews and just the Jews. But Jesus makes it clear by, by offering this woman the living water, the Samaritan woman, that he's here not just for, for the Jews but for, for everyone. That's kind of important to us because we wouldn't be here if Jesus was just for the Jews. The other thing that's kind of interesting is that he knew her backstory. You know, when you watch the X Factor and The Voice and all that, everybody's got a backstory, haven't they? Now, you know, and it's it's usually a kind of a, a tale of woe. You don't, you don't. Have you ever seen anyone come on the X Factor and go, "So I came from a privileged background. I've not had to wait for anything. I've had everything I ever wanted." But I'd quite like to be a singer, you know, because nobody's going to vote for them, are they? There's no. There's no sympathy there, is there? She didn't have to tell Jesus about her background. He already knew. He knew as soon as she mentioned it. He knew before she mentioned it. Because he knew her in the same way as he knows all of us. And she was probably a woman that people who knew her backstory, if you like, didn't really associate with. But again, he initiated the conversation with her. There is no one who isn't good enough for Jesus. So she, he says, go and tell your husband. And she says, well, I haven't got a husband. He says, I know you haven't got a husband. And not just that you've been married five times and you know this guy isn't your husband at the moment you know he knew all that and it didn't it didn't matter she actually goes and tells all her friends come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did but he didn't hold it over her don't know whether it's important but i i kind of presume it is that the whole conversation about her backstory came after he had offered her the living water he already knew and he didn't say i can give you this living water if only you go and sort yourself out first and come back to me when you've got your life sorted and you're and you're all hunky-dory then you can come you know, in the same way as perhaps the X Factor, perhaps we weed out the privileged toffs because nobody's going to sympathise for them. You know, it's not a case of sort of saying, you know, you can only come on the X Factor if you've got a sad story. Maybe it is, but Jesus isn't saying the opposite. Jesus isn't saying you can only come to me if you're all sorted. Because it's quite sad the number of times you hear people saying, "Well, I've read the Bible and and, and I think I kind of believe, but I'm not I'm not a good enough person to be a Christian." I can't become a Christian because I couldn't, I couldn't live the life that you're supposed to. And it's like, well, you might not be able to, but you with God will be able to. We're all a work in progress. You know, if, 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 if Jesus is the divine potter, one of the pictures was a, a... Some of us might be, you know, a, a nice a nice pot that he's just, just ready to, to glaze and decorate and some of us might still be a lump of clay but he doesn't, he doesn't kind of look and go well a lump of clay is a bit ropey, I'll not, I'll not use that bit Jesus knew this woman he knew her story and he didn't tell her to go and sort herself out first and then come back to him That doesn't mean that he he wouldn't have asked her to think about how she was living her life. But he didn't tell her to do that first. He didn't tell her that he knew until after she'd mentioned it to him, though. I think he was waiting for her to to see how much she would trust him, to see how open she would be with him, go and tell your husband. And she could have gone, oh yeah, all right. Because as far as you're concerned and everyone else is concerned, he is my husband. I will go and tell him. But she said, he's not my husband. Yeah, I know that. He didn't say, go and tell that guy that everyone thinks is your husband, but I know isn't really. He said, go and tell your husband. And then she said, no, but he's not. I know. And all the rest of the story. He wanted her to trust him and to be open with him. And he wants us to trust him and be open with him. And not to think, I can't come to Jesus with this because it's it's too embarrassing. It's too, it's too bad. It's, it, Jesus couldn't forgive me for this. Jesus
1: couldn't.
2: If I told Jesus this, he wouldn't want to speak to me. There's that story, isn't there, about the um, the guy who the, the, I think they're quite famous people as well, but I can't remember. Um, he sent a telegram to his mate, and it said, "All is discovered, flee at once." And his mate left the country, and he was, you know, it was kind of, I have no idea why he's left the country because I, I didn't know what he, you know, I think if we were being honest with ourselves, we've probably all got parts of our lives that we'd really rather other people didn't know about because we think if they knew that about me, they probably wouldn't like me or they certainly wouldn't like me as much and it might not be things, you know, it might be things that we've done in the past and have moved on from but it's kind of oh, if people knew that about me. It might be that before we knew someone properly we maybe said unkind things about them and then we've become friends with them and we think oh, if they knew some of the things I said about them before we were friends they wouldn't want to be my friend anymore Jesus knows all these things Jesus knows how many of us have said unkind things about him before he became our friend before we got to know him properly and it's not that he doesn't care but if you're really sorry about it, he won't hold it over you. I was trying to find the right word when I was writing my notes, and I was like, he doesn't judge. It's like, no, he will. <laughs> Ultimately, he will. He will judge everyone who, who doesn't know him. But he doesn't hold things over us. It's that whole thing of, you know, some, sometimes we'll, we'll mess up and we'll ask God to forgive us and it's not that God doesn't forgive us it's that we don't really forgive ourselves and we kind of say but I'm I'm really sorry for that thing God Jesus that I did and Jesus says what thing I've forgiven you I've forgotten about it move on he doesn't condemn us when we ask for forgiveness and his forgiveness is absolute It's not conditional. It's not, well, I'll forgive you of that as long as you never do it again. I'll forgive you of that if you promise to try and live a really good life from now on. If you really are sorry and you ask for forgiveness, then Jesus will forgive you. Remember that bit before when I said put your phone on silent? <laughs> the second reading, um, and I, I apologise to, to to Mike in particular, but to both Mike and John, I, I did try and look for how how I might cut some of these readings down. But there was bits at the back end of the reading that I thought mm, I might I might keep that bit. So you know, I would have made the bit about the Samaritan woman shorter. But then right at the very end of the reading, she went. Come and meet the man who told me everything I ever did. I thought, oh, I can't escape that bit. So Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he asks them a question. And I think the first question was probably fairly easy for them. Who do other people say I am? That's all right, because there's no sort of personal thing there, is there? It's just, you know, who do, who do other people think I am? You know, when I talked before about it's an easy question, who is Jesus to you? Because there's no right or wrong answer, it's who is Jesus to you. But it's not necessarily that easy, is it, to think through. Who do other people think Jesus is? Well, that's probably a much easier question, because we don't have to put ourselves into the answer, if you like. So the disciples were quite happy coming up with answers for that, and they and they all sort of had a bit of a got their heads together didn't they and they said oh some some say John the Baptist and others say Elijah and still others say one of the prophets of long ago that's come back to life now in our world of internet and telly and radio and newspapers and all those sorts of things that sounds a little bit odd doesn't it I was trying to explain this to Ethan yesterday when we were when we were um well I, w- I was upstairs writing some notes and Ethan decided to come and quiz me about what I was doing while I was doing it so No, and, and and i suppose the, the the person that you might have most closely confused jesus with might well have been john the baptist because they were cousins there might have been a bit of a family resemblance if you'd seen one you might see the other in the distance and go oh, that's that same guy again isn't it but ethan just found it incredible that you could you couldn't how, how would you not know that that was but obviously all the stories that people had heard about jesus were being passed along by word of mouth and Jesus, Jesus' disciples were baptizing people and John the Baptist was baptizing people and the Pharisees were keeping tabs to see whose who's group was getting biggest and who was likely to be the most trouble and Jesus says who do people say I am and there's all sorts of well you, you know John the Baptist and Elijah Elijah's the one that got taken into heaven in a chariot of fire isn't he so that's so he's slightly different from the other prophets. One of whom might have come back to life to be Jesus. The thing is, for all our technology, for all our internet and mobile phones with Wi-Fi and newspapers and telly and radio and all the rest of it, there's still a lot of people who, when they describe Jesus, will describe him in, in terms of, of of other people. He, I suppose, he was a bit like. Gandhi, or Mother Teresa, or, and quite often you'll get this, well, he was a good man. I think he was a good man, and what he said was was very wise, um, but I don't think he was the son of God. So they might know some of who Jesus is, but they don't know all of who Jesus is. That second question, though. He's asked them, who who do other people say say I am? Oh, well, it's John the Baptist, Elijah, one of the prophets. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay. Who do you say I am? That's a trickier question. And I can kind of imagine them all standing there suddenly becoming incredibly interested in their sandals. Oh, look, a worm... And sort of nudging each other and going, You say, you say, no, no, you say, you go first. Sounds like a squirrel, but I know the answer is Jesus. And then good old Peter, everybody's favourite disciple, speak first, think later. Peter goes, You're the Messiah. You've been sent by God. And you can imagine the others going, Oh, what's he said? what are you saying or maybe they didn't maybe they all went yeah 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 what he said yeah yeah sounds good to me there's another version of the story where Jesus says you could have only known that because it's been revealed to you by God it's interesting that like I said before, peop people will say, Oh, Jesus was a good man and he, he said a lot of wise things and he and he said things that you know we we should we should live our lives by but he wasn't he wasn't God. He wasn't the son of God. And maybe it's because in for example, in this reading, Peter says you're you're the Messiah, and then Jesus says, Well, don't tell anyone else. Don't tell other people. And maybe some people interpret that as 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 Jesus going, well, well not really, but if you want to think that then then fine, but actually, if you read further on, it's not because of that it's because it's dangerous to say that Jesus is the Messiah. It's like the whole sort of you know there's all sorts of films. Usually superhero things, you know, Superman or Supergirl or Batman or Spider-Man. Or whatever, and there's always, there's always a love interest. A boyfriend or a girlfriend, because I've, I've had Supergirl in there, so that's okay. We can have a, boy, a boyfriend in there. And, the, and there's always that moment where it's like, well, you know, we, we can't really be together because it's too dangerous for you. If, if someone found out that it would be dangerous for you. And in some ways, it, it, it is... a just be careful who you go around telling that I'm the Messiah Peter because not everybody's ready to hear this and some people are particularly ready not to hear it and will very quickly separate your head from the rest of your body for saying it 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 was kind of fashionable for a while I think to kind of say well you know being, being a Christian is dead easy isn't it you know and, and it's for weak people and, and you know I don't need an emotional crutch I don't need to be a Christian and all that you know. and Jesus says yeah, if you're going to be my disciple you have to take up your cross daily and follow me you have to deny yourself it's not easy being a Christian it's not easy following Jesus So when Jesus asks, who am I to you? That's a big question. And I asked it earlier and I said there were no wrong answers. It's not really true, is it? I think C.S. Lewis had the best response I've heard to the people who say that Jesus is not God, but he's a good man and he's a wise man. And C.S. Lewis says, if you read what, and I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember it exactly, but C.S. Lewis said, if you read what Jesus said, he left us in no doubt that he was God. Your only alternatives are that either he was a con man who convinced everyone else that he was God deliberately, or he was a madman who thought he was God when he wasn't. But you can't say, he was a good man and a wise man, but he wasn't God. He actually said, if, if Jesus thought he was God and he wasn't, he's a madman on the level of a man who says, I am a poached egg, which I think is fantastic. It's scary and dangerous in some ways to think about the fact that Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah, and in, in a lot of ways, it's easier to go. Well, he, what he said was good, and we should, we should love each other. Yes, obviously, yes, we should love each other, and we should help people. And, and yes, he was. What he said was good, but he wasn't. He wasn't God. For a lot of people, things that have happened to them in the past become a barrier. Things that they might have done, things that Christians might have done or said to them that were unkind or thoughtless or sometimes outright cruel. But like the Samaritan woman, if we're open with Jesus and we say, Jesus, I struggle with this. Jesus, I don't know about this. Jesus, I think you might be God, but other people who told me you're God have been so horrible to me in the past that I don't know how that can be. if we're open to him about the reality of our lives he won't walk away he won't reject us he won't think any less of us but we do have to know who Jesus is to us and that's not something that I can tell you I can't tell you today this is who Jesus is to you And other people can't tell you this is who Jesus is to you. They can talk with you and help you think it through but you've got to decide for yourself who Jesus is to you. And you've got to be open to see it. We can pray with you. We can hope that you'll see it but you've got to be Open to see it. I've asked a lot. I've asked you all who Jesus is to you, so I thought it was only fair that I finish off by sharing who Jesus is to me. So I've got four things, and they're probably pretty similar to what everybody else has said. To be honest, he's my hero. He gave his life to save mine. He's a mentor. He's a guide, someone who helps me to live a better life through his own example and through teaching. He's a friend. He's always there for me. And he's a captain. He's someone to follow, someone to look up to, someone who'll correct my mistakes, pick me up, I've done something wrong. I liked what Josh said about him being a, an approachable boss. Because sometimes it's easy to forget that ultimately Jesus is in charge. We get f- quite fixated on Jesus is our friend. Jesus is our chum. And he is. But he's, he's also in charge. And for those of you who, who didn't notice my four things start with the letters H-M-F-C which is Heart of Midlothian Football Club because I figured if that's what happens when you have services with LCFC I want a bit of that for hearts so don't be scared of being open with Jesus because he's he's not going to turn his back on you And it's easy sometimes to think of that as being a barrier to someone who's not a Christian yet, but we all still mess up and we all still have things that we'd rather Jesus didn't know about or hadn't seen us doing. And he does know, but he wants us to trust him and to tell him.